Hey everybody, today's episode of Shoppernomics is brought to you by the Neuromarketing Science and Business Association, the only association for those with a professional interest in neuromarketing. Visit www.nmsba.com for events and membership details. And Decision Breakers, experts in behavior-based shopper strategy, insights, and activation. Email pmcgee at decisionbreakers.com to see how they can help you win your war in-store. Welcome to Shoppernomics, the podcast for marketing and insight professionals who want to stay current on the latest understanding of consumer behavior and decision-making. My name is Phil McGee, and I'm speaking today with Konstantinos Pantinos, founder and CEO of Brand Aviators, a brand consultancy that helps the world's most powerful brands trigger the unconscious in every consumer purchase decision. Konstantinos holds an MBA and a PhD in business research, so he knows his theory, and he's a former senior marketing executive with Gillette, P&G, and Nestle, so he knows how to put theory into practice. In fact, he helped lead the team that developed the Wheel of Motives, which is a tool that helps map and position brands and categories using neuroscience and has been successfully used by Coca-Cola, Unilever, J&J, Heineken, L'Oreal, Philip Morris, and Hyundai. In his spare time, he teaches at, and I know I'm going to butcher these names, so apologies in advance, uh, Herio Watt University, Surrey University, and Leicester University, which, which is, is impressive because most of us only teach at two universities. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> oh, and to top it all off, he speaks four languages fluently. In our discussion today, we're going to talk about Konstantinos' new book titled Living Brands, how Biology and Neuroscience Shape Consumer Behavior and Brand Desirability. But before we begin, Konstantinos, welcome to Shoppernomics. Thank you, Phil, for inviting me in this uh, podcast. Thanks a lot. Oh, it's my pleasure. Uh, we're going we're gonna to have fun, and, and I think uh, I'm excited to, uh, to share you as a well-kept secret uh, to this audience. Now, now we just for, for background, we met for the first time in New York, at the Shopper Brain Conference last November, where I had the honor of introducing your presentation. And about 15 minutes before that, you showed me your book, the one we're about to talk about. And I was absolutely floored. In, in a moment's glance, it was obvious your book was one of the most impressive, one of the most valuable contributions to our understanding of how brands fit into consumers' lives from a neurobiological perspective. Now, to, to show you I'm not just saying that, and, and I'm not sure if I told you the story before, but after the conference, I walked back to Port Authority to catch my bus, which was a good 20 blocks from the conference venue, and then I noticed I forgot your book. So I sprinted all the way back to the hotel, which, because it was rush hour on a Friday night, was like running an obstacle course darting in and out of people and cars and taxis and whatnot. But I was afraid someone would leave with the book, thinking it was left behind, which it was, and there would go my new book. And, uh, and not only that, and, and apologies for my long introduction here, but at the time, I was just beginning a research project with a global CPG company and decided in the first five minutes of meeting you that I wanted you to partner, partner with me on it. 
Well, long story short, Konstantinos' contribution was nothing short of brilliant. So I wanted to introduce Konstantinos to my audience so he can introduce you to his new book and consultancy. And let me end there and give him an opportunity to tell us a little bit more about himself and what he does. Hello, everyone. Thank you, Phil. Uh, I'm Konstantinos uh, Pantidos. Uh, I'm original. I'm originated from uh, Greece and we have clients all over the world now. We work mainly with the CPG companies and um, we have an innovation that uh, goes back to biology. So we try to find what are the biological roots of uh, concepts and the design, the strategy of a branch and then align uh, all the creative executions um, such as uh, wording, messaging, uh, colors, um, typefaces, and of course, uh, all the touch points with the consumer, like uh, uh, TV commercials, uh, websites, planograms, um, etc. So the, the uniqueness is uh, by going back to biology, the, the brands really become a living brands because they incorporate the very forces of uh, human life. So it, it took us uh, 11 years, but we identified um, 12 motives that are neurobiological uh, motives, and uh, they are, uh, for, for this reason, uh, timeless. And uh, they, they are not uh, taken away, for instance, uh, uh, when big changes happen, like digitalization or COVID now, or any other changes um, in uh, the marketplace. This is because uh, their bases are uh, systems in uh, the brain, and um, these systems have been added by uh, nature, one on top of the other over the million of years and help us survive and um, uh, thrive. And uh, uh, because of, of this, we are directed in specific uh, uh, ways in terms of behavior and emotions rather than uh, others. Of course, emotions are used by uh, nature to guide behavior. And they, they are good elements because uh, they help us survive for um, million of, uh, millions of uh, years. Now, we use this uh, in, in marketing, uh, first of all, to understand uh, categories and we try to find what are the motives that drive the, the categories and the main contribution there is that we can uh, reconnect with the consumer at a deeper uh, human level uh, always and define white space opportunities. These white space opportunities are uh, motives that are not uh, uh, satisfied by the existing brands um, at the moment. And then the, the second phase is to try to find out the strategy of the brand, the DNA and the strategy. So we answer fundamental uh, questions uh, such as who am I, what do I stand for? So the brands should ha have answers uh, to this and the, the, the best way to, to answer this is to go back to neurobiology. So uh, the fundamental questions of, of the brands can now uh, be answered um, uh, in, uh, by neurobiology, and this injects um, life into materials, uh, into products, and uh, even, of course, uh, colors uh, and uh, executions. And uh, finally, as, as we said, we, we align uh, all the executions, so it's a kind of Bible we write about the, the brand, so uh, the, the brand um, marketeer um, knows exactly what um, they have to do uh, to, to apply the, the strategy. So we don't uh, leave the client when we design the strategy, but we help implement um, the strategy in the different touch points like websites, um, 
television commercials als recent en de in-store uh, executions, shopping guidelines, uh, etc. Yeah, and and that's I mean that that first of all that was a good primer on what we're about to talk about, um, and so we can kind of you know break some of that down a little bit. Um, but but that's why it was so obvious that your book is such a major contribution because you can, you know, a lot of books out there about kind of consumer psychology, right. And how, um, how, you know, through, you know, via behavioral economic, um, types of effects, how people will make decisions. Your book is more about biology, right. Evolutionary biology and, and what impact that has on the way brands are, are, you know, perceived, thought about, considered, um, used, uh, culturally adopted and whatnot. And, and so, you know, that was the underlying approach that you took. But the other thing about your book, which really uh, got me excited was you took 20 product categories and, and I know you've actually done this for 200 product categories, but you know, your book was already like two inches thick. <laughs> so you, you know, you had to limit it. You took 20 product categories and showed how your research um, applies to those categories. You took your frameworks, which include um, you know, different ways of mapping brands uh, against the motive, the wheel of motives, and you plotted those brands. And it was just ex- extraordinary that this work has already been done. Um, I know there's more to the work than what you write about, but it just... Um, a, it exposes the brilliance, but B, just shows the value um, that that you can bring to any product category. Because again, for the most part, the work has already been done. And when you're talking about evolutionary biology, you know this was true 100 years ago, and it's going to be true 100 years from now, right? These things are not changing. So, in other words, the research you've done doesn't necessarily have to be repeated, right? Um, right. Right. And so, um, so, so, you know. So when, when you work with you, and this is why I wanted to work with you, 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 you can start at a sprinter's pace, right? You don't have to say, okay, great. Well, first let's do $500,000 worth of research, and then we'll, we'll, you know, we'll reconvene a year from now, and then we'll start to work. Uh, no, with you, you, know, you can get started right away. Not that additional supplemental research isn't helpful or even important um, or, or even necessary, but there's so much of the foundational work that's already been done. Um, but we're getting ahead of ourselves because I, I just wanted to introduce you to start with. And, and just um, another thing you mentioned as we were talking before the call is that you have two daughters um, who uh, had to be, uh, to some extent, homeschooled, right, for, for a period. I think they're back in school now because um, yeah. Gre- Greece has things more under control. You're, you're you know, secluded and you've controlled um, you know, the inflow and outflow of, of human traffic, right? So um, you guys are in a, a, a more forward state of progression with respect to everyone else. And so now your daughters are back in school. But I'm curious, as you, you, you teach in three universities, um, how, how did your, your daughters uh, accept you as their new teacher? It was not easy, uh, of course, uh, for them and the it was not easy for me uh, either to um, get this role because uh, b- being a father, um, 
places and extra uh, problems. So normally the uh, kids do not uh, respect uh, the parents for this kind of uh, role. But uh, when I try to, to help, then uh, they saw in practice that um, this uh, work, uh, since the teachers did not have the time uh, to adjust, it was something sudden for, for them as well. And uh, all the classes, although they have been done through uh, teleconference and using technology, um, now it's not the same uh, actually as uh, being physical uh, uh, there. So it was a big change uh, for them. So uh, for this reason, they, accept my, they accepted uh, my contribution, uh, let's say. And... Uh, then uh, it was also a, a good opportunity for, for me to come uh, closer um, uh, to them sure. in uh, their everyday reality in, uh, in uh, schooling. Now, for, fortunately, they are back um, in school since uh, the beginning of the, uh, the week. And, uh, uh, of course, n nothing is the same as it <laughs> used to be. Right. Uh, the schools operate in a different uh, way, so they, they keep a, a distance, a physical distance. And... Uh, and uh, also uh, th there are uh, a lot of uh, changes in uh, the way um, the, the, the students and the, the pupils are um, supposed to uh, operate in the school. Yeah, well, um, but I'm, I'm glad to hear that you're making such progress and you can you know, serve as an example to the you know, rest of us who, again, aren't there yet. Um, but I have a feeling you probably miss them a little bit more than they miss you right now. It, it's true. <laughs> It's yeah. because normally I, I travel before um, uh, COVID now. We, we are back uh, uh, together, but uh, uh, still now um, they, they wanted to find the, um, to, to spend time with their friends of instead of me. Of course. <laughs> they of see course. me after the weekend, but they prefer their friends, of course. <laughs> Very good. Well, I'm glad everyone seems to be doing well there and, um, and, and everyone's happy and healthy. Um, oh, oh, incidentally, you know, as... I, and this is something else I'm not sure if I told you, but as I was preparing my conference introductions, um, you know, uh, putting your bio together before I introduced you at the Shopper Brain Conference, I said to my wife, I said, this guy's got the best name in the business, Constantinos Pantinos. And she agreed. And, and uh, I'm curious because I didn't ask this. Is that your stage name um, or is that the name your parents gave you at birth? It is, it is the real name my parents gave me uh, in birth. Yeah, it's, it is a coincidence that uh, it comes out like this. Yeah, yeah it's awesome. It's a, it's a great alliteration. Um, I, I really like it. So uh, it just it rolls off the tongue very nicely. All right. So, um, oh, and by the way, I also like just one more ad about your book. You refer to it as a Bible. Um, and, um, and I think that's actually a really good way to think about this book because it's not something you just sit down and read cover to cover, right? It's not, it's not for that purpose. It's a reference book, right? And so right. if you're managing multiple categories, then you're going to go back to that book and go to the respective categories. You will want to read kind of the underlying, um, uh, I won't call them instructions, but, but there is, um, you know, that base, base level of knowledge of, of how to think about what you're talking about in your book and then how to apply it um, before you dive into the chapters, right? So, yes, there are parts, chapters that you're going to want to read to get that, that foundation, and then it'll be used as a reference book from then on. 
Right, right. Okay, okay. Because, so, oh, go ahead. The, the, the motives in every uh, category we can see as an onion. So we have to go to the deepest motives that drive the category, and the deepest uh, we go, the, the better is for us, because um, the, the dollars we spend in uh, communicating uh, hard, uh, work harder for, for us. And when we reach the, the, the depth, the essence, we call it the essence of uh, the category. So there are more uh, superficial motives uh, normally um, mentioned by consumers when we ask them through, through research, because consumers cannot articulate the deepest um, motives that come from uh, biology, uh, although the brain understands that something is attractive for a specific category or a specific a brand, it's difficult for consumers to articulate. But uh, biology, uh, it's much more scientific than uh, psychology because psychology is a bit uh, chaotic. There are uh, thousands of uh, emotions and emotions are evasive, we cannot measure. Uh, going back to biology, uh, it's a bit more uh, scientific, so we can measure um, the motives and, and this gives us uh, reassurance that we are in um, at the heart of uh, the category. Right, 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 right. Um, so let's, let's start with a big step back. Um, I'm just curious, like, why did you even write the book? What, what, was, what inspired that? I know you said, what, it was 11 years of work um, right. that ultimately went into it. But what, what triggered that light bulb for you that said, I, I really need to put this into a book? Because this came out of uh, research, so uh, we, th we, th we thought we have found something very um, important uh, for, for humanity. So it's not only marketing, because these motives can drive any behavior, of course, we can use in um, education, we can use in uh, leadership and organization. So it's a kind of uh, ligua uh, franca. These are the filters the brain uses to, inter to interpret reality. And this is the only reality, actually, that matters because it's the brain's uh, reality. So instead of keeping all these uh, as trade secrets or proprietary knowledge for, for our uh, brand consultancy, uh, we thought we have to disseminate this information uh, to many people. Uh, that's why we included, actually, 20 categories so that uh, uh, the reader can see uh, in practice uh, all these uh, motives. So it's not uh, a theory uh, applied in a, in, a, in a book, written in a book, but uh, it is uh, actually the, the way uh, we discovered these motives by reverse engineering, by studying categories and going back uh, to biology and then from biology um, going again to, to categories. This was the way we discovered this by fine tuning um, the different uh, motives and the, uh, the concepts. So these are kind of a hierarchies of concepts in the, the brain. And every motive has its own um, neural circuits. And um, what is very helpful is uh, once we know the motive behind the attractiveness of our brand, then we can be very uh, coherent because every motive has its own roots and uh, its own colors. Uh, and it, it is like firing, as we say in uh, biology, the the brain uh, systems through uh, the appropriate uh, uh, triggers. So by knowing the, the motive, uh, it becomes much easier to apply the, the strategy. And this is because we, we know the signifiers and the activators that can translate the strategy into specific um, 
executions like uh, hoarding, uh, colors, typefaces, um, materials, of course, because uh, all, all these things have different, a different neural impact on uh, uh, the brain. So glass is much different than uh, plastic or uh, aluminum, etc. And the same holds true for the colors. So by combining uh, the, the appropriate uh, uh, colors uh, uh, to, to sounds, uh, to music, and um, materials, uh, typefaces, then the, the narrative becomes very solid. It's, it's as when we, we cook, uh, everything should go uh, well for, for the food to be uh, uh, nice. So uh, if we put our heart, uh, the best ingredients, we have the best recipe, but we put a lot of salt, um, then it's uh, one ingredient is enough uh, to, to destroy, let's say, the, the result. It is the same with, with brands, because the brain uh, has not been designed, uh, as we know, just to think, only to think. Um, the brain has been designed to spot inconsistency. So it is trained, because this is a survival um, a mechanism. Uh, this is very important in uh, the first moment of truth, uh, as Proctor Gamble uh, calls it uh, in front of uh, the, the aisle, because the product that is consistent, so the colors, uh, the packaging, uh, the, the claims, and the ingredients uh, inside, then the, the brain automatically uh, authenticates um, the, the brand and the product, and the, this product is chosen. Uh, if there are major uh, inconsistencies, uh, then the, the brain does not uh, pay a lot of attention, so uh, dis it disregards the product and goes um, ahead with the studying the second, uh, another product, the next product. And uh, th that's why uh, prices become important. If we don't give meaning uh, to, to people, then uh, pricing and functional characteristics of the product becomes uh, important. But all these are rationalized, let's say, criteria. Uh, we know nowadays that 95% of um, decision-making is based on unconscious. So uh, deep elements that we don't uh, understand, uh, then the brain rationalizes. This 5% is rationalization because the brain does not uh, want to have any dissonance inside we want uh, balance. So we rationalize anyway, any decision we take, good or, or bad, because we want uh, to have this balance. So by using the correct mo motives at uh, the point of sale, we kind of flood the brain with the correct chemicals that uh, induce uh, the purchase and we, we create experience in uh, the store instead of uh, uh, just presenting the products in a functional uh, way that uh, puts the brain in a, a kind of a, a automatic pilot that uh, we want to replenish uh, the stock because we know that we are out of, of stock. Instead of this, if we create experiences in uh, the, 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 the point of sale, at the point of sale, uh, then we actually leverage, we optimize the, the category uh, uh, levers and uh, uh, we, we tap into the profit pool of the, the category. So on the same aisle, we can have different uh, types of uh, experience, multi-occasions, um, in order to um, put out all the magic of the product. Uh, all, all products, all categories have a magic inside in the, in the sense that uh, they, they can... Uh, um, facilitate uh, the, the satisfaction of all, all the different motives. Um, we, we are multiple um, faceted animals, probably the most complex 
uh, animals because of the brain. So we have many needs. That's why we, we see the same uh, thing in, in different points of uh, view. So the, the same product uh, satisfies different uh, motives. And this means that th there is a space, there is space for all brands um, to offer meaning uh, when we are uh, coherent. Instead of uh, just uh, um, getting involved into cutthroat competition and commoditization. Unfortunately, this is the case now in many categories. Uh, but fortunately, it's an opportunity for um, creating a deeper uh, relationship uh, with the consumer because of these uh, deeper motives, like the motive to care, the motive uh, to seek, the motive to change or to transform, the motive to create. Uh, all these motives make us uh, humans. Uh, if we don't play, if we don't fall in love, if we don't care for, for others, we are not uh, uh, humans, of course. So the, the, the brands and the products become substitutes of, of the real um, element. So the, the brands should not go to, to brands if we want care or we want to give uh, care, but um, brands work because they, they are, in some cases, even um, better than the original because the original is uh, overwhelming. We cannot fall in love every day uh, or explore every day. The, the normal real life cannot give us this opportunity, but through uh, brands we trigger uh, this kind of uh, motive. So the, the, the brain systems do, do not uh, fall into a, a condition that is um, un, unused. And uh, we lose this kind of uh, motives. We have every day uh, to replenish, let's say, this kind of, of chemicals. In, in the brain. Otherwise, uh, the, like the muscles, if we don't train the, the muscles, the, the brain becomes weak in, uh, in certain points. And uh, if, of course, we, we uh, have different kind of uh, motives and every person has a different weight of these motives, which makes us unique. Every person is unique. Although the motives are the same, uh, the weight we use is a million of times uh, uh, different, different versions we can have. So the personality is always um, unique, but uh, we should train um, the, the brain in this uh, way. That's why brands exist, to, uh, to give meaning to, to people. Got it. So, um, so you know, in your book, you have uh, what you call the wheel of motives. Um, so just to make sure everyone's tracking, um, let's bring this to life a little bit. Um, first of all, how many motives are in the wheel? And then maybe choose a brand example, whether you've worked on it or, or studied it or, or one that people can relate to, and talk about the motives that drive that brand's um, success and reason for being. Um, or, or maybe take another approach of start with a motive and talk about the different brands that, that um, satisfy that motive. Uh, make, make sense? So I just, yeah. I just I want people to be able to picture in their mind what you're talking about because you you just said a lot and <laughs> which which shows the depth of of knowledge that you have um, and and I just want to make it a little bit more concrete for people. So so sure. how many motives are there and then let's let's you know have a couple of examples. So there are twelve uh, motives. So it is the motive to feel safe unless we feel safe. All the other systems in the brain are blocked, so we mm. cannot fall in love, we cannot explore, etc. Then we have the motive to seek, uh, which is uh, this kind of uh, 
inherent uh, drive to see what is uh, beyond the mountain, beyond the uh, horizon. And uh, it drives us to, to take risks. Normally, we should not take uh, uh, risks, but uh, we like uh, adventure, we like exploration, we, we like dis discovery. And we have the seating system um, for this. So, uh, an example of uh, a brand to, to feel safe is Coca-Cola, for instance. Another, an example for the motive to seek is uh, Timberland. Uh, or uh, Nautica mm -hmm. or Jeep, the, the automobile Jeep, which is the, uh, this kind of uh, uh, explorative uh, tool. Then uh, we have the motive to play, something that uh, we ignore nowadays because people, especially kids, do not uh, play anymore as in, um, in the past. And uh, play made us a uh, human. Of course, animals play, but also uh, the, the play system is uh, evolved in uh, humans and the neocortex, which is the human brain, has been uh, actually developed out, out of play. So uh, uh, play is biological. Uh, it, it's, it's not just uh, fun. It's serious. Uh, it's, it's a serious uh, thing. And then we have the motive. Uh, Fanta could be a, an example of this kind of uh, motive. We have the motive uh, to transform, like Disney. Uh, the, the biologists call this a mutation. So we have to mutate because the environment uh, changes. So we have to change. We have the motive to defy. Harley Davidson is such a brand. And we have the motive uh, to create. Uh, so we express our personality uh, through the motive uh, to create, uh, like Lego, the toy brand, is uh, such an example. Then we have the motive to control, Nike. So, so the motive to grow is uh, Nike's aspiration, is uh, the development, just do it. Um, or BMW, the car, then we have the motive to control, like Rolex. Um, this is the, the human brain, the neocortex uh, brain that uh, we have systems in the brain we call comp computational systems or even control systems that uh, control all the other kind of uh, motives. And of course, measurement mathematics, all this is uh, are. Uh, languages or codes that came out of uh, humans. It's, it's not a math mathematics do not exist as such in, a, in a nature, for instance. Then we have the motive to connect, like uh, the, the beer category, the coffee category. Um, and all of this, of course, they start, they start in neurobiologically because coffee, for instance, um, is uh, important for connection because caffeine inside we enjoy at 300 milligrams. So by, by that time, we connect. That's why we, we give to the coffee this kind of uh, connective uh, ability. Of course, coffee itself does not have any means. The, the brain that projects these motives onto everything around us. Then we have the motive uh, to care. Pampers, for instance, the brand of Procter Gable is caring. Then we have, uh, finally, the motive to balance. So it is the, the motive that is the most advanced, let's say, it comes later, as we grow uh, up, and the, it is the big picture. We have to go out of ourselves to give care and all the other uh, motives, but we need a balance. We, we, to, we have to see beyond ourselves, beyond our family, and then beyond our society uh, to incorporate uh, everyone. Now, an example of brand uh, we can use is Apple. For instance, Apple has this um, DNA of, of Steve Jobs. Steve Jobs is not there, but Apple... Uh, still is the DNA of uh, Steve Jobs, which was this creative and uh, defiant uh, guy. So um, creative because we can see in the products there are, for instance, uh, uh, 
personal computers and uh, there is a, a Mac and the, uh, also Defiant because it went a, against the, the, the standards of the category. So we had IBM before. Uh, IBM's logo was a, a thing. And then uh, Steve Jobs said the uh, thing different. So it was this disruption that created uh, Apple and uh, uh, Steve Jobs was disrupted, creative and disruptive till uh, the end of uh, uh, his life. And Apple now, it is a kind of IBM because uh, it is the, the ruler, let's say, of, of the category, uh, the, the, the biggest, the largest uh, company. Uh, so you could uh, not uh, work this kind of uh, motive, the defiance and creative motive, but it works because they are a very masterful, let's say, a balance, a defiance a good leadership, because they say every time we destroy ourselves, we don't destroy the competition, we destroy our own selves, so we are still destroyers, a defiant company, but this helps us become better. Now, the moment Apple stops being this defiant company, it becomes like control, the motive to control, like Rolex, or the ruler that counts and controls everything, then I think that the problems of Apple will start. And then we have to, to match the two, the creativity in this case and the defiance into one entity. And we have to match this with the technology in this case. So technology, of course, is disrupting. because It disrupts what happened before. And of course, uh, technology is uh, creative. Technology is, by definition, by nature, uh, something new. So it's uh, about cre creation. So uh, these are, let's say, the, the main points, the foundations of, uh, of Apple, the, the, uh, the main reasons we buy, we prefer Apple um, products. It's not technology by itself. It is the idea behind uh, technology. So um, these 12 motives, are, are, are there 12 motives in your wheel because that's, that's the number of motives that are relevant for marketers? Or, or is, is, are there only 12 motives universally? They, they are 12 motives uh, universally. Of course, there are other sub-motives or uh, neural circuits that are, uh, let's say, under this kind of uh, motive. So, if we had a different categorization, we have a 13, but it doesn't work for us. The 13th is under another motive. So this, that's it. These are the 12 motives. We should not search probably further. Of course, we should always search, but these are the motives that drive our behavior. If it, there was another one, we should have found studying 200 categories and the biological reasons behind and we have to, to come up with this. We have uh, established the links between the, the sciences, not just cherry picking, but uh, really uh, following the motive from the biological um, need uh, to the systems, the, the nature created in uh, the, the brain and um, the, the concepts, the, the, the emotions, and then the concepts that uh, they, they distribute into our everyday life, all the motives, all, all the big uh, values of uh, humanity come from these uh, motives. So we discuss about the motive to seek. That's why we have the, the value of independence. The American Constitution talks about independence, freedom. 
So we need this independence and freedom to explore. There are uh, sub-motives, let's say, of uh, this uh, motive to seek. The, the, the system to, to seek exists in the, the brain. The biologists have found the, the locus. And the, the, as we said, the discovery or um, exploration are intrinsically um, engaging. Now, by infusing these uh, motives into uh, products, then um, the, the products uh, become the representations of uh, the motive. So, uh, as we said, Jeep is uh, par excellence this kind of brand, or the mobile phones give us this uh, freedom to uh, to move, or uh, anything that has to do with travel, uh, for instance. So these are deep associations, and when we use them, we find the deepest ones, and we use them in our uh, advertising and uh, all touch points, uh, then uh, we create synergies, we create like a, a symphony instead of a, a dissonance. Uh, in, in the brain of the consumer, uh, be, because they, they are the associations that are uh, by nature, they, are, they come naturally to the brain. We don't need to convince the, the brain uh, for, for this. If we don't know this and uh, we, we are a, a bit out of uh, focus, we have to spend more money. And uh, that's why we end up spending half of our budget, 50% of our budget, and we don't know which, of course, 50% works. Now we know which 50% doesn't work. It is the 50% that does not come from the soul of uh, the brand and the soul of the category, the essence of uh, the category that we combine. Now we combine, of course, using, again, neurobiology, uh, because all these motives over the millions of years have learned how to, con to coordinate with each other. So we never find, for instance, care without uh, control, because otherwise uh, the, the kid should take advantage of uh, the parent, and the parent should take advantage of uh, the kid. So in every care there is some domination, and in every domination there is um, some, some uh, percentage of care, uh, let's say. Mm. So all of these are connected over the million of years. And this is very interesting for marketing, because it, it is in these interceptions that we find the most interesting ideas to position uh, brands, to, to give a unique answer to what uh, consumers always wanted from the category and the brand. So that's, okay, so, so that, that's interesting because that's why you use the term living brands, right? Because these brands, um, their objective is to personify and represent these motives, correct? Or, or to be... Correct. To be um, satisfiers of, of people who have these motivations. Exactly. Uh, the, this is the analogy of uh, biology, that living brands incorporate the very forces of human life. They are based on uh, the foundations or the fundamentals of our biology. Mm -hmm. And uh, the rich hierarchy of concepts they um, infuse into uh, our everyday life. While marketing and consumer research up to now are largely based on psychology, the rules of human behaviors line biology, not so much in psychology. Psychology comes later on. So meaning is creating in the interface between the neurophysiology and the emotions and the psychology. And as we said before, we mentioned the example of caffeine. Of course, coffee has a lot of chemicals inside, but caffeine is the most important. So uh, caffeine becomes uh, the drink of uh, um, coffee becomes the drink of power because um, caffeine 
dysplasia adenosine. And adenosine is a calming uh, neurotransmitter. That's why we get a boost. It's an illusion, actually. It is not energy we get like we get through food, uh, but uh, it is now a chemical energy, and uh, we, we did get a boost because it displaces adenosine. Um, now, th- this is how the concepts arise in uh, the brain, in, in this neurophysiological and psychological interface. Now, just chasing happiness and trying to connect happiness with, with the brand without uh, this deep knowledge um, is, is m- much more uh, difficult, of course, because it, happiness becomes evasive. What is happiness? But if we go back to um, neurobiology to, to see uh, how the safety system creates actually um, happiness and all the other systems in a way, um, then uh, we, we can capsule uh, a, a concrete way to create a happiness for people. Then there are, of course, different ways uh, to feel uh, Happy. That's why all brands have a space, as we said, um, to be unique and distinctive instead of fighting each other on pricing um, or promotions. Um, this is failure for marketing for, for me because right. we have not done our job to go back to see the meaning and how meaning has created for people. And uh, if the, the brain does not find meaning, then of course we compare prices and we, we buy the cheapest one or uh, the product we consider the, the best. But there is no best product. Uh, there, there are uh, products that uh, offer meaning and products that offer less meaning. Right. And this makes all the difference. So if if to put, if you so to put this into practice, um, I'll, I hope you don't mind. I'm, I'm just going to pick Jeep and use Jeep as an example because you talked about Jeep before and you said that Jeep aligns with the explore motive um, or motivation. Um, so if you were working with, with Jeep um, you know, or any other client, would your approach be to um, understand the motives they are aligned with currently and then help them to better uh, manifest their brand against that motive or those motives you know, through, through all those ways, like you said, color, typeface, um, you know, associations, et cetera, et cetera? Or, or, you know, and or, would you ever say, well, you know, Jeep, you're, you're marketing against a transform motivation, but that's not your DNA. You, you, you really are g- going down the wrong path. That's not going to work for you. You really need to correct uh, against uh, the right motive for your brand, uh, which is not transform, and then it's explore. How does it typically right. play out when you work with brands? Yeah, no, normally um, brands know their DNA. The people, of course, working for for brands. So, uh, what is our job is to clean the brands because over over the years, people change. The situ- situations in the market become uh, different. There is pressure from uh, big clients. Etc. So slowly we lose our uh, DNA, and uh, so that's why we don't believe in repositioning. Uh, we believe in cleaning the, the brand out of uh, the motives that are not central, so that the brand uh, becomes uh, uh, it's shining again and attractive to um, everyone because the, the brain knows, consumers know what is deep, um, uh, deep down. So. Um, in mo- most of the cases, uh, there is not such a big problem of uh, a, a brand that um, t- 
taps into a completely different motive, but uh, normally the, the, the brands tap into many motives, and uh, this dilutes the, the message they send. Mm. Uh, while if we focus on one motive, then the brand becomes uh, very clear. So this goes against the old marketing that talks about segmentation and uh, focusing on specific uh, uh, target groups. So the, the best brands in the, the world, like, like the examples we mentioned, they don't uh, focus on a specific uh, target group, like Nike sells uh, to, to, to everyone. It's, you don't have to be an uh, athlete. Uh, then uh, Coca-Cola, of course, uh, uh, Fanta, um, uh, Disney, etc. Right. They are beyond specific people, uh, beyond demographics, um, etc. So the way we work is uh, to find out um, the the core uh, uh, of the, of the brand. We call them genetic uh, codes of uh, the brand that it should be uh, one or two. So we can have one main motive and one subsidiary, but we cannot have five motives right. because then th- there is no no brand, no meaning, no clear, unambiguous uh, uh, message. Now, by, by following uh, one motive, uh, we get a destination to the to the brain. So we increase the target group. We sell to everyone because instead of triggering uh, specific uh, needs uh, in better in a better way, let's say than the the competition. So we focus on some demographics or psychographics. Uh, then we trigger a system in the brain that is common to all people, Asian people, uh, European people, American people, they, they have this uh, need. The manifestation may be different, but not the neural impact of uh, this uh, concept or even uh, even the colors. Uh, the colors have the same neural impact on uh, the brain. Uh, but the manifestation, as we said, could be uh, uh, different. So the executions can be uh, different, but uh, uh, always uh, expressing the same motive. So, um, to that point, um, so, you, so you're going to have a primary motive, right, and, and maybe a secondary motive, but you don't want a tertiary motive. But do categories have motives um, that may be independent of the brand? Um, and, and if so, how does a brand incorporate the category motive without diluting its brand motive? It's, it's a very good uh, question because the, the categories have all 12 motives at a, a, ve- at, at a different degree, of course, because it's the, the brain uh, systems that are uh, projected onto every category. So within uh, beverages, beverages, for instance, we find the 12 categories. We, we talked about a, a coffee or beer that are Connective. We have explorative uh, spirits like uh, Ram. <laughs> uh, we have uh, uh, magic uh, spirits, of course, uh, like gin or any alcoholic beverages, uh, magic or transformative, because we drink basically to change. This is uh, the main uh, uh, reason. Uh, so uh, what the brands uh, should do uh, is to, to know themselves. As we said, who, who am I? What do I stand for? What am I here for? These are the basic uh, questions, and uh, when we answer uh, this, we find uh, one motive. Now, if we are lucky enough, I'm talking about established brands that we cannot change, uh, if we are uh, lucky enough uh, to be close to the essence of the category or the deepest uh, motive, then indeed uh, we are lucky because we can uh, very easily uh, become the leaders. Of course, 
Ketteris Paribus, if all the other elements work as, as well, then we have a very good um, way to become uh, the leaders in uh, the category on the condition that we stay coherent and consistent um, over time. And indeed, our, our research uh, shows that uh, in um, many categories, the, the leader is the, the one that is coherently tapping into the essence of uh, the category. Then they become very strong. It's very hard for these brands to, to fight. Um, normally, they go away from the product characteristics. Of course, we start by caffeine, for instance, in, in coffee, but then we have to go away to go to connection and all these uh, elements, exploration, um, etc. And uh, not staying there, because if we stay uh, there, technology can absorb uh, any difference. And we don't have a sustainable uh, competitive uh, advantage. So uh, this is... Uh, the way we work, we go back to the origins to see, for instance, if the founder is still around or what was the vision of the founder at um, that time, because the brand does not become successful uh, without a reason. There is something deep uh, there. There are, of course, thousands of new brands and only a few uh, succeed. So uh, the owner sometimes does not, does not know <laughs> what is the reason of uh, success, but over time, uh, the, the markets drive us. For instance, we um, work on some campaigns that uh, um, have better results and uh, we skip the other campaign, eliminate the other campaigns. So the market shows us. But uh, again, over, over time, uh, the brand loses its original DNA. Uh, I'm, I'm not a, a supporter of going back to uh, the original DNA, but uh, the original DNA is normally an indication of how the brand has evolved mm. and what is the um, motive uh, meaning today. Because the, the motives, as you correctly said, they are going to be there in 1,000 years as long as we are humans. We, we care about other people who want to create, who want to explore, um, etc. So uh, these t timeless, uh, deep uh, elements uh, are beyond cultures and be beyond... Uh, any change, any superficial uh, change, like uh, mobile phones change, of course, the structure of, of the brain, we change the, the, the gestures, but not really the care or the exploration, um, etc. These are the main systems of uh, the brain, so they are not going to go um, away. So it is the, the main platform that uh, brands should uh, base their uh, strategy uh, on. And uh, by basing this strategy, we don't need to change uh, everyone in a while because the brain does not absorb so many changes. Uh, for instance, the, what is bad is a campaign, for instance, that uh, talks about creation, and then the next campaign talks about uh, defiance, and then the next campaign um, talks about uh, um, exploration or whatever. Uh, it, th this means that the campaign is good by itself, but um, it, it is not connecting to the DNA of, of the brand. So the, the message is diluted. It's not ambiguous anymore. Right. And the, the, the meaning is diluted when these critical seconds when we buy products on the web or physically at the grocery store, etc. Well, I mean, you know, a, a, a brand pyramid, there's, there's no current placeholder for the motivation. Right, not not the way that you've classified them um, as as these universal motives, 
And so it's easy to stray from, from the motivation where you should reside, right? Because you don't, you know, like they say, if you don't know where you're going, any road will take you there. And so, um, so that's why it's important, I think, to, know, to understand the proper alignment with, with the right motive and be true to that motive's core. So that, that's, that's really interesting. So you, you mentioned, um, actually, in the last question, you, you touched on market segmentation and said, you know, it's really not about demographics or psychographics. It's about um, segmenting against different motives. So just to, um, you know, clarify the obvious, if you're a marketer then and, and you have a brand that is well positioned against control, for example, and you want to, you know, you're trying to direct your innovation team to say, you know, to new territories, white space, et cetera, is, is a way of using the wheel of motives to say, okay, I've already got control covered. Now let's look for products that would uh, align well against seek or defiance or transform or explore or one of the other motives. Is that, is that how the wheel is often used uh, right. from an innovation standpoint? Exactly. It's a very good uh, question because ideally a, a big company should deploy the brands in uh, various uh, motives so it covers all the different uh, motivations of, of the category. This means that it, it blocks uh, competition from entering, but uh, also it um, maximizes or optimizes the, the profit uh, they can get from the category. So up to now we discussed about established brands that we said in our opinion we should not uh, change. Uh, because it's much easier to find out the DNA and bring it uh, out uh, in a consistent way. But uh, new brands, we can place, of course, in uh, the white space opportunities. So deploy them in the territories that uh, are neglected or ignored by existing uh, companies. And we always uh, find this kind of uh, white space uh, territories because normally um, research or uh, advertising agencies, etc., that create campaigns, they don't go um, so deep. So uh, we do two types of research when we analyze the category. Uh, we attack the, the problem of understanding why people uh, buy again and again this uh, product uh, through the multidisciplinary approach. And the, the second research, the, the second type of research is uh, analyzing uh, the existing uh, communication space. And uh, we use, in this case, uh, semiotics, uh, semantic content analysis uh, of the advertising uh, themes, the products, the brands, etc., um, that are in the, in the category. And um, by comparing the two, we find the white space opportunities. Now, by deploying uh, the, the, the brands of a, a large company to different um, motives, uh, it's the, the perfect tool, the wheel of motives help us and it's the perfect tool for brand uh, portfolio management. So this means we don't cannibalize uh, each other. So we have uh, brands that target uh, or trigger different uh, motives in the, in the brain uh, that are quite uh, consistent and uh, stand alone, and uh, we minimize cannibalization. If we don't have uh, this, uh, then we might have sales leakages from one brand uh, to, uh, to another. So. In the past, and even now, we use big companies like Procter & Gamble, Nestle, etc. They have uh, brands that uh, compete against uh, each other, um, for instance. But now, the wheel of what is we can fine-tune this competition, this internal uh, competition, and place them 
uh, to territories that are quite distinct from uh, one another and still uh, be very successful and still uh, target uh, everyone. E every uh, brain has this kind of uh, unique uh, uh, points that we can trigger. Um, one of, so I love that, and I th it, it makes it very simple, very clear, makes the boundaries clear, right? When, just to make sure you're not uh, blurring your brand's positioning into, you know, kind of the other brands that you're introducing already have. So, um, so it's, it's really a beautiful and, and, and you know, I'll say simple in air quotes, because this, this is not simple, but it's, it's conceptually simple on, on how to think about the wheel with respect to a brand portfolio. One of the things that really impressed me um, about the work that we just did together was, and again, not mentioning the clients or, or the brand of interest or, or even the category, um, was you know, part of what we wanted to accomplish was to, you know, if we were to reinvent an aisle, thinking about these motives, how would we do this? And, um, and, and going back to what you said before is that each category has you know, potentially all of the 12 motives represented through the different brands in a category. And one of the things you did, and I already thought the work you were doing was brilliant, but this just really took it to a whole new level, was you sequenced those category segments by their motives such that as a shopper walked down the aisle in, in the expected um, you know, navigational path, as they walk down the aisle from, from entry, aisle entry to aisle exit, that the sequence of the motives uh, in their presentation was important because it, it took them, it took their mind biologically on a journey of discovery with peaks and valleys um, as they went from one motive to the next and to the next. Um, can you, can you talk just briefly about that? I know this is maybe hard to talk about without using a visual because when you, we made that, that slide, right? That really just kind of brought it to life. But, but can you talk about, you know, the, the thinking behind that and what it accomplishes, um, you know, on the, to the shopper? Yes. Uh, this is uh, very important because by following the order, the, mo the motives were created by uh, nature, we just create a, a narrative that is intrinsically uh, in, uh, engaging for the, the clients. So uh, imagine as we are uh, small kids, for instance, first we start to uh, explore. First, first we feel safe and then we, we explore. And when we start going out of our room, uh, for instance, we still want our parents uh, to be there. Uh, so by, by placing their... Um, the, the starting point of safety. So I feel safe, I feel reassured. And uh, then I start to explore, to discover uh, things and become playful. Uh, as soon as uh, we become playful, we start changing. So it's about uh, transformation. Uh, transformation is uh, defiant also because it changes what it exists, etc. And this is the, the way, the, as we said, up to balance, which is the ultimate uh, motive, uh, it is the way that um, uh, the, the order that nature created uh, the, the, the brain systems. Of course, uh, now, as we said, the, all the, the motives work together, uh, but they are still uh, standing uh, alone and they have a, a history uh, behind the human brain for millions of years. Each of them 
uh, it took million of years and uh, it, it, we cannot retrieve an older one like in the computer uh, technology um, because uh, th these ones are now uh, fused in, in a way and uh, still they are uh, separate. That's why we see the same thing, different uh, points of view. Now, uh, replicating uh, this order uh, when uh, we design uh, the aisle, uh, it's in, in intrinsically uh, engaging narrative. So people feel safe, start to explore, uh, etc. If you start the wrong way, like you put uh, the control products uh, that could be, for instance, uh, the, the luxury products in fashion or the gourmet products in food, uh, whatever, uh, uh, first, then you, you lose all this uh, narrative. Um, and people are not uh, following uh, normally this. The problem is that uh, not all uh, people follow the, the same direction inside the, the store. Uh, we need to know uh, this, but normally we know these numbers. If uh, people in a specific aisle um, come from uh, the right or left hand side, um, etc. When we know this, for instance, normal 70, uh, 30 or 80 to 20, etc. Because again, it's a, a biological um, element, the way we circulate within the, the grocery uh, store, uh, then we maximize uh, the, the, the sales, not only by having, for instance, a, a display stand on uh, the right um, side, but uh, which of course helps, uh, but uh, creating the, the whole category management uh, based on uh, motives instead of just uh, uh, Nielsen figures or uh, sales yeah. figures, because this just replicates what exists already in the, the, the market. <laughs> the, the, you don't increase overall the sales of uh, uh, the category because you don't increase the experience, uh, the, the consumers, the shopper in this case. Uh, feel. Uh, so the, the, the supermarkets now and the, the grocery stores that became big because of this order uh, and the replenishment uh, mode, they have to go back uh, to offer more um, experience in every uh, category. Now it's a kind of sterilized uh, environment. You go out of the grocery store and you see all the kind of uh, concept stores that uh, uh, trigger these emotions, but inside um, the, the grocery store, imagine a big uh, grocery store, um, there is no such uh, experience. Of course, there is always exploration because of the thousand of products, uh, etc. And th there is a bit expression because you still choose, but it is not the right um, way or a deep way, let's say, to explore, a deep way uh, to create. That's why we, we get into a replenishment uh, mode and the people uh, complain uh, that uh, they don't... Um, get the, the maximum experience uh, there and we lose non-shoppers. So there are, as you know, uh, people, uh, the shoppers do not go throughout the, the store, you know, they don't visit all the different categories, they visit peripherically all the, the categories and then they go to directly to the checkouts and only in some cases they go inside the, the, the center of the, the store when they, they have a shopping list uh, to buy some specific uh, items. So uh, a lot of lost opportunities. Uh, because we don't deploy the, the categories in uh, such way to create this kind of uh, uh, order, the, the narrative that the, the brain intrinsically likes. Now, this is a big opportunity also for the grocery uh, stores, for instance, because they can, uh, not only inside a aisle, but the different aisles can uh, play this music, let's right. say. So uh, put 
some explorative categories first, reassuring categories, playful categories, and then the transformative ones. Etc. Yeah, really, I really love that that whole idea. It's, it's a very clever and creative way of, of applying this, and, and again, taking it to a whole new level, right? So you've got you know the the hierarchy of brand, and then category, and then aisle, and then department, and store, and these motives can have um, you know can be used very purposefully to create a um, a, a desired experience for your shoppers. That aligns with you know the motives that are of higher priority to them. Uh, very very cool. And 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 you know again your book exposing you know what are the twelve motives and and you describe each of them and then going through the twenty categories and and taking the brands and superimposing them on the motives to show where um, you know you and your competitors um, you know reside and to know well which ones should I you know explore. If I'm not already there, uh, wh- where are my competitors strong? Where I may not want to, uh, you know, try to enter those territories, um, and and how can I more strongly position myself in a territory where I already reside? I mean, all of this is already available in the book, so that's wonderful. Um, so now I want to move from the wheel of motives to a second framework that you use in your book, which you call the pathways of human behavior. Um, can you describe the pathways and the contribution that this framework makes to the overall approach? So, uh, the, the pathways actually follow the biology um, and the, the roots of behavior uh, down to a psychology and the social impact because uh, the social impact comes uh, later and uh, then the rewards that we get through coffees through products and then the kind of uh, also incentives uh, and rituals we develop and the, the, the rituals gives us this uh, uh, give us these uh, rewards that uh, makes us uh, also give biological value into everyday life so by, by using uh, motives the, the motives we give uh, value biologic, uh, life biological uh, value and it's a continuous uh, circle. So the, the brain is uh, uh, already uh, set for condition for the next uh, uh, purchase because by just smelling, for instance, uh, coffee or uh, food or whatever, uh, immediately uh, we get the idea of the brand and um, the, the specific uh, category. So the, the pathways of human uh, behavior is the basis uh, where the the motives are tracked uh, back, are monitored uh, in order to connect the different uh, sciences. Now, the interesting point is that new knowledge is nowadays mainly created through combining uh, sciences, and this is the contribution of the pathways of human uh, behavior. So, it's for the first time, we combine uh, the, the links, so uh, we know how they, they, why the motion, for instance, fear or uh, happiness is useful for our survival. We go back to see how this happiness is um, pro- produced uh, or triggered or fired in the, in the brain, and then we go back to see not only the systems that uh, they produce this kind of a, a motive that is not only system but also its chemicals. Uh, so it's not only a locus or mechanism but also chemicals. It's this coordination that makes uh, the motives. And then we'll go back to biology. Now, by going back to biology, uh, we have the freshness of the source. So 
the, the ideas um, become uh, very authentic. We feel this and the, the repurposing, the, the repurposing sorry, of a brands um, become really uh, inspiring uh, for people. Uh, we talk about uh, people, not B2B or B2C, because all are people. So when we sell to uh, uh, our business uh, partners, they are also people, so they are subject to the same uh, motives. That's why uh, P2P, people-to-people, uh, people is the most appropriate uh, way to talk about uh, this. So this, this is the, the way the, the pathways of human behavioral work and the contribution uh, it has. Yeah, very good. So it shows um, just how you know holistic and comprehensive, um, you know, in in your choice of of using biology and emotions and psychology, kind of weaving it all together, um, which is you know quite a uh, quite another taking for sure. Um, so thanks for thanks for doing a quick top line of that. That's that's helpful um, because that is another important part of your book, and I want people to appreciate. Um, the extent to which you really d- dove into this. And I want to refer back to, um, you know, the roughly half of your book, which is dedicated to the motives for, um, uh, again, I think it was 20 product categories, everything from toys and pet food to technology and leisure travel. Um, where did you obtain the category insights and the brand positions within? I mean, all the work to say, Hey, here are the motives that that are relevant to this category. Here's why, and then here are the brands, and and map them against the different motives. Where did all that research come from? A lot of uh, research, of course, has been done already. So we don't need uh, to to make primary research to understand the uh, caffeine impact on uh, the brain, uh, for instance. Uh, so uh, for 11 years, this was the main uh, work we have done. We have found the resources uh, for every category because. In, in some cases, of course, it's uh, biology. The, the, the starting uh, point is always biology. But then uh, in some uh, categories, we found that biology was not um, really used. Uh, so there were some other types of scientists that uh, had really uh, deep inside. So we start from uh, them and we go back to uh, biology. Some of them uh, concern our own uh, primary research uh, with clients and uh, uh, workshops. Uh, we have done more than two, 200 workshops with uh, clients, and uh, many of them give us a, a insight that uh, we fuse uh, with a different uh, type of uh, categories. Because actually, what we learn is that some categories were, of course, uh, more um, useful to understand certain motives, like the leisure um, travel, as you mentioned, is more about exploration. Uh, while cosmetics are uh, generally about uh, transformation or makeup especially is more about transformation. Now inside uh, the category of uh, makeup we have lipstick which is of course it's transformative but more than transformative lipstick uh, is about growth because it it has this, uh, that's why we have the red color normally um, sold 80% of lipstick is is red because it it gives uh, empowerment uh, to to people and uh, that's why we see the first thing after uh, even with COVID when the lockdown stopped um, uh, women went out and uh, spent a lot of money in cosmetics especially lipstick we have seen this in uh, World War II World War One etc that uh, 
the, the history is repeated. So history is also uh, a science we use. Uh, for instance, in, in, in the case of toys, it was a historian, a, a Hungarian historian, uh, that uh, had uh, discovered more uh, about the real essence of, of toys and playfulness because he had understood how the play system works, although he was not a biologist. Then the biology uh, combined with the biological research and indeed we found out uh, the playful system, how, how it works and how toys trigger this kind of uh, essence. So it goes a backward and forward uh, exercise. Got it. All right. So, so as part of your consultancy, you've done a lot of primary research um, against several categories. You've also tapped into academic literature um, and scientific journals to look, kind of do a meta-analysis on on category research that has been done with respect to these neurobiological um, motives. Um, and then, and from that is where you kind of created your data set. Right. All right. Very right. good. So, uh, so it's obvious this book. Um, was written for a, a marketing and, and insight audience. Um, what is it, you know, after reading this book, what is it your hope that readers will be able to do with this material, um, you know, w- once it's in their hands? They, they can better understand uh, their category. They can understand that there are deeper things, uh, that uh, the reasons why we buy products or uh, services, because every action has to make sense and every action has to add up so there is no trivial uh, action when we buy a products at the supermarket or any other uh, store uh, then it has to make sense it has to be in line with our values and these human values are the, the deepest ones so by giving back to consumers the, the values that are biological we give them the deepest values uh, for for them to survive uh, and um, to, to feel balanced because, uh, the, the, as we said before, they, they don't have the chance every day to satisfy all 12 motives. Um, so it is the, the role of marketeers and um, consumer science managers to, to understand the deepest of the reasons uh, why we buy products or, or services and go a bit deeper and give a deeper meaning uh, to people. Is, is, a kind also of obligation that now we know um, how, how the, the brain works in this uh, direction um, to provide meaning to, to people. So it's, it's not an easy read because it's a purposefully um, packed with the information. So every category is built phrase by phrase right. so that we see the hierarchies of concepts that um, shape every territory and ultimately every, every category. You know, and, and it is like like we talked about. It's, it is a Bible. It is somewhat of an instruction manual. Um, but obviously, you know, you bring a lot more to the party than than your two inch book uh, can do on its own. And so, um, you know, for me, it was it was helpful to work with you personally after using the book as a reference um, as reference material. Uh, just because the depth of understanding that you bring and, and you know, the, the, the nuances are, are always important, right? Um, but also just having done the research yourself, um, you were able to bring a lot of, 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 of knowledge wealth to, to our particular category and brand of study. Um, so, so this book took 11 years to put together. Any plans for a future book or, or are you going to take a, take a little rest for a while? 
I, I think uh, I will get a, a little of a rest because there was a second book that was uh, ready, but it's actually the the language uh, of the materials of colors of the typefaces, um, etc. Mm. That uh, need to, to go out. But I'm afraid that pro- probably they, they it might be misused uh, by people. So wh- while the strategy and the, the motives are um, there. Uh, we need to align in the correct way uh, everything to to get the, the brand meaning out. So um, I, I think that the, the, the second book it will be more proprietary for for the, the company, so that uh, we we maximize or we secure the sales application. What a great idea. Um... Honestly, because I've been looking for similar books of, um, again, a, a reference book or document that says specifically would you, when you get down to brass tacks, you know, how can I, um, how can I trigger certain motives or, you know, and or emotions, you know, et cetera, through the use of, of color and topography and, and things of that nature. So good for you. That, that, that's exciting. And, and please, you know, keep me informed of that. Um, all right, so Constantinos, you you had a lot to share. Thank you. You've been extremely generous with your time, um, and and you know people may want to know even more. So if if they want to learn more about you and and some of the work you're doing, what's the best way for them to reach or follow you? People can find me on LinkedIn. So my name is Constantinos Pantidos again, and they can find my email there. Various articles on. The LinkedIn profile. Then we have our own website, which is uh, brandaviators.com. Uh, uh, this is our main uh, uh, site. Uh, of course, I'm available anytime uh, to be to be reached and to, to, to help people um, apply the, the strategies. Um, and if they need any help, I'm always available. Terrific. Well, Constantinos, it was it was great talking to you again. Um, it was terrific. Um, using your book. It was fantastic working with you, and, and I certainly uh, hope for and look forward to, uh, to more of that in the future. Uh, but for now, thanks for, uh, for being, again, so generous with your time and sharing your insights. Um, well done on your book, and, uh, and, and I know you've really given us something uh, quite powerful to work with. So th- thanks so much. Thank you, Finn. Right. Thank you for inviting me. My pleasure. All right, take care now. Right, take bye-bye. care. Thank you. Bye-bye. I hope you enjoyed today's episode, and I'd like to give a special thanks to Decision Breakers for making today's episode possible. We'll see you next time on Shoppernomics.